0: Welcome back to Second Helping, the podcast of choice of fans and followers of the number one league in all of collegiate athletics, the Southeastern Conference. Travis Schreier, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network, joined by my longtime great friend, co-host here on Second Helping, college football analyst for First Coast News down in Jacksonville, Florida, along with being a voter in the race for the most prestigious individual honor in all of college football the Heisman trophy the one the only Brent Beard happy new year Brent first one of That's 2023 right. we're doing yeah. today
1: yeah absolutely glad to glad to be back uh, obviously on the on the verge of a uh, national championship game in uh five. so SEC again involved we have finished the bowl season a uh, couple of important dates here January 16 is a deadline for college football players to enter the draft. And January the 18 is the deadline for players to enter the transfer portal. So, Trav, if you're a coach and you're managing your roster, uh, th- those are probably two dates you'll be glad to see come and go, right? <laughs> yeah, and we're already seeing a lot of the blanks
0: filled in, aren't
1: we? Yeah. Teams
0: like yes. Alabama and others around the league with players finalizing decisions about their collegiate eligibility where the NFL draft is concerned. The transfer portal does not slow down, as we know. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we go through some games to finish the bowl season, understanding there's still one big postseason game to go involving an SEC team and the Georgia Bulldogs, we'll sort of tag some items of interest with these teams as we talk about how they performed uh, down the stretch of the bowl season, and really just as an overview Brett, strong finish for the league since we last spoke.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, they were the the the, the beginning was not very good at all, uh, but with big wins from Alabama and Georgia uh, and LSU uh, among those, Mississippi State. Uh, and, uh, that, that really helped the league as far as in the bowls, Travis, a lot of people have made, uh, <laughs> uh, and frankly, it is pretty humorous that Mississippi state wins their bowl game on a, uh, wild defensive play that then led to a brawl, uh, and many have said it. it Is that the most Mike Leach thing ever that could end the game?
0: Yeah, we even saw that with uh, Mike when he was head coach at Mississippi Mm -hmm. State. I think after his first season, maybe the 2020 season, State went out for the bowl game in Dallas, and that involved a melee. I want to say with Tulsa in that game. So, yeah, Yeah, it seemed appropriate in some ways. But uh, State is able to narrowly – defeat Brett Bielema in Illinois we'll get more into that coming up a little bit later but since we last spoke we were headed into a stretch beginning with the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville Florida I know you were in attendance for that wild affair Notre Dame 45 South Carolina 38 and Brent I gotta ask you I can't recall the last time a team scored two defensive touchdowns and a touchdown on special teams and still managed to lose the game but that was South Carolina in that seven-point loss to the Irish, uh,
1: in some ways that was pretty typical of their uh, history, uh, and particularly this year to uh, to play well and then to uh, uh, <laughs> to not be able to win the game. But boy, they had an unbelievable crowd, uh, to say the least, uh, and this team. Uh, I, I think still has a lot of potential. I mean, what, uh, Beamer, Beamer finished well, uh, frankly, uh, in November. That's what people were going to remember. Uh, they had a good bowl game. They had a good crowd. Uh, still kind of waiting to see what uh, some of these guys were going to be able to do. It's a shame they lose Marshawn Lloyd. They've got to rebuild uh, um, a lot of this receiving staff. Uh, Trav, we were – looking down the, uh, um, at, 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 as far as the receivers and where they were, they really only had two of their top seven available for the bowl game for one thing or another. But I think when you put it on the hat and draw it out, uh, Shane Beamer's still uh, uh, very uh, pleased, I think, with the progress this team made overall and kind of where they're heading right now.
0: Yeah, I think the fan base has to be pleased with the first two seasons of Shane Beamer disappointed in the loss to Notre Dame because you're up 21-7, you're up 24-10. In a couple of instances, you're just not able to maintain that lead. And so Notre Dame gets it done in Jacksonville despite having two team captains sitting out and Michael Mayer and Isaiah Foskey, a couple of big-time NFL prospects for the Irish Uh, they get it done, as you said, and good for the Gator Bowl folks because they needed that kind of crowd and that sort of buzz, and I'm sure the ratings from the television side of things are going to be very good as well. Um, Not a win for South Carolina, but certainly a win for Northeast Florida and the Gator Bowl. Later that evening, you had Tennessee. We talk about the SEC's performance in the quote-unquote premium Games this postseason: Orange Bowl, Sugar, uh, Peach Bowl, CFP semifinal. This kind of got all of that going. Tennessee with a very strong performance against a Clemson team. I know listening to Dabo Sweeney in the post game, not happy with the missed opportunities. or the 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 movement that Clemson was able to get with Cade Klubnik in his first start, or one of his first starts, I guess actually. Um, to do what they did and and not come up with enough points, but give Tennessee a lot of credit for that. And, uh, you know, Joe Milton, nine yards per pass attempt in the start behind center. Uh, I thought uh, Tennessee ran the ball effectively enough uh, against that stout Clemson front that we had talked about in the preview. So uh, it is big orange that gets it done in the orange bowl.
1: Well, and it was uh, frankly a surprise Against that Clemson defense as far as how well that uh, Tennessee was able to uh, uh, to play uh, Milton 19-28 for 251 and three scores. Clemson had the, the most time of possession, uh, frankly, by far. They had the most total yards, uh, but uh, they still weren't able to win the game. 11 wins, trap for the Vols, best since – 2001, the first bowl win since 19. Uh, So uh, really, uh, and and I give their defense some credit. They stepped up at times. Aaron Beasley, their linebacker, Mm -hmm. 12 tackles, 10 solo, two sacks, and four tackles from all. So uh, it 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 was a it was very much a team effort for the balls when it draft. It was,
0: and you know you get. 89 rushing yards from Jalen Wright at the the running back position. What about Squirrel White? Down a yeah. couple of wide receivers, yeah. and we wondered about that. But uh, Ramil Keaton with a nice game, four catches, 76 yards. Brew McCoy with a touchdown catch. So three different Tennessee receivers step up to catch touchdown passes in the game. And so Tennessee gets it done. The Orange Bowl champions and going to be plenty of excitement about this team moving forward. Uh, presumably with Joe Milton behind center and, uh, some key pieces coming back as well. What about Alabama and Kansas state on new year's Eve An early kickoff on the fringes of the French quarter there in new Orleans and Alabama, a little bit late with the wake up call, but yeah. seemed like following that long touchdown run by K state's deuce Vaughn, um, the Crimson Tide actually came to life, really, in all three phases of the game.
1: Yeah, they really did. Uh uh the uh I believe it was third and ten when it traveled and that when mm-hmm. Jameer Gibbs caught that pass, and went about fifty yards. Uh I thought that may have uh very much changed the game in a lot of ways. Bryce Young really it didn't start well, but boy, he sure finished well. Uh fifteen to twenty one for three twenty one in um, in in five scores, um, to me, still the thing that cannot be overlooked, uh, and this is uh, th- this really sums up Nick Saban a lot of ways. Twelve straight year with eleven or more wins, fourteen of fifteen years. I mean that's just unbelievable when you think about that. How that's how that is even possible. Uh, frankly, uh, tight defense certainly got into it. Also, uh, boy, uh, and you've written about him the whole year, Trav. Brian Branch um, uh, won an incredible game, 11 tackles, sack, four, ta- four tackles for loss, uh, ju- just really unbelievable. Um, the, the effort that a lot of people thought they would see at some point during the regular season came to fruition in the bowl game, and again, as you were in the ballot, uh, certainly no surprise, Will Anderson, Jameer Gibbs, Bryce Young, uh, Brian Branch going to the NFL. But I thought the guy coming back who may be as significant as anybody is Will Riker, the, the, the kicker. Uh, and in this league, Trav, you got to if you have an outstanding kicker, you <clears throat> you can win a couple of games a year.
0: He was big throughout the season. I know a lot of Alabama fans, they immediately point to the 50-yard miss at Tennessee uh, very late in that contest. But let me tell you something. Texas, they don't beat Texas without Will That's right. Absolutely. And it's not just the one that essentially won the game late in Austin. He made a 52-yarder earlier in the game that was very, very big. They don't get to overtime on the road at LSU if he doesn't bang home one from distance there in the final seconds of regulation at tiger stadium. So when you also consider this is a team going through transition at quarterback, if it was important to have will Reichard handling your kicking mm-hmm. with guys like Mac Jones and Bryce young at quarterback, yeah, how big do you think it might be when you're going through transition? Like Alabama's about to go through oh, yeah. at that spot. In other words, touchdowns may not come in as great a frequency you may have to depend more on a kicker and your defense and field position and those kind of things so i wholeheartedly agree as for the other guys you're right no big surprises there Uh, you tip your hat to guys like will anderson bryce young jameer gibbs branch all those guys that could have opted out of the bowl game. And look, had they done that, I wouldn't have had a cross thing to say about any of them, but they didn't. So uh, I think it's it's a good thing to acknowledge to uh, the guys that, that do hang in there and finish things out. But this is an Alabama team, Brent, moving forward starting with that quarterback position uh, and understanding it's another loaded recruiting crop that's mm-hmm. coming through the door. Uh, th- this is a team that that's going to have a lot of questions about it.
1: Uh, no, no doubt about it, and the big one obviously is going to be at quarterback. Uh, Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson, uh, obviously Eli Holstein coming in early. Um, the Louisiana prospect. Uh, now they're not expecting him to start necessarily, uh, and uh, certainly some questions about uh, Milrow and his passing ability. And there's questions right now, obviously Travis, about uh, is there a possibility of getting a uh, uh, a a quarterback just to have a veteran to kind of stabilize things through the transfer portal and the bigger question for Alabama fans, uh, what happens uh, to this coaching staff uh, in in the uh, as as we know, the watch is on now for particularly maybe. Uh, some changes in those coordinator positions.
0: Yeah, between
1: Pete Golding and more specifically, I think, Bill O'Brien,
0: that's going to be fascinating to watch play out in the coming days and weeks. And if it is the NFL, especially for Bill O'Brien, that news could come particularly soon, depending on, let's say, how things play out from a playoff perspective for the New England Patriots coming up this weekend. The Patriots actually have a chance – to make the playoffs, should they knock off the Buffalo Bills coming up this weekend? So we get into some other games on New Year's Eve that were, uh, well, a little bit overshadowed. Um, not so much the national college football, the college football playoff semifinal, but Iowa and Kentucky, I think, would qualify as a game oh. that was certainly in the shadows of that Sugar Bowl matchup between Alabama and Kansas State, and a resounding thud to the finish of the season for the Kentucky Wildcats as they are beaten by Iowa. Iowa scored 21 points, and uh, I think when you really delve into this, it's not all that hard to figure out how.
1: No, uh, a pick six really helps you in a situation like that, uh, frankly. Um, Two of I think- them. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Kentucky's quarterbacks, Destin Wade and Deuce Hogan, 22 of 37. Uh, mm-hmm. Now the uh, the travel. The amazing thing was, um, and we would get an oof from our dear friend uh, Greg Larson on this game. Uh, but the numbers, Iowa, all of 11 on third down. O of two on fourth down. Uh, (laughs) Trafford Kentucky, two of 18 on third down. Uh, Both teams generated 400 yards of total offense. (laughs) Is there much else you can say about this
0: one? No, this one was as bad as we all could have imagined it being. Maybe even worse. Yeah, you got two Kentucky quarterbacks combining to throw the football 37 times, and it brings back 117 yards. Do the math on that yards per attempt that's right around three yards per yeah. attempt uh yeah. so iowa felt really good about its quarterback averaging 5.8 and throwing <laughs> a touchdown and yeah had the two interceptions the two pick sixes i mean when you're this uh limited offensively because of levis sitting sitting out rodriguez and some of those guys that sat out this game are were not available for this game uh not a surprising result for uh Kentucky in its bowl loss there in Nashville to the Hawkeyes of Iowa. Now, we got into later in the evening, you get into that college football playoff semifinal on the heels of a thrilling game between the Michigan Wolverines and the Horn Frogs of TCU. Boy, I'll tell you, in terms of excitement, Georgia-Ohio State certainly delivered we talk about missed opportunities or at least that's going to be the narrative for a team coming out of a game like this. I think Ohio State woke up uh New Year's Day or really the clock struck midnight, I believe, on the missed field goal attempt by Ohio State there in the final second. So um felt a lot better in 2022 Ohio State did in this game than it did in 2023.
1: Travis, give, as a former kicker, give us some insight into that. Now, uh, the Ohio State kicker normally during the season did a really good job, but it was very, very obvious, Trav, when the camera went on him, that uh, as we used to say, uh, his eyes were as big as saucers. <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, Trav was that what? Uh, Was the moment just too big at that point for the Ohio State special teams?
0: You know, I don't know. I think I I put as much of it on the Ohio State offense as I do uh, Noah Ruggles, the kicker for Ohio State. Now, look, he's a a really high-level specialist, so I'm sure his response is going to be, I I can make that kick nine out of ten times, if not ten out of ten times. That's the sort of self-belief I'm sure he possesses and what he can do. But um, you know, it it almost felt like after the scramble by Stroud that put Ohio state down around the Georgia 30, Mm -hmm. it was like Ohio state was shocked that they were even in that position. And so they immediately run this zone run into the boundary that goes for nothing or a loss. Um, They didn't really stay aggressive. And look, I'm going to say this for Ohio State, too. They got bit by the Bama bug from a year ago, Mm -hmm. losing Marvin Harrison Jr. You can't understate how important that was, especially at that moment, because they were already down going into the game, one of their top two receivers. Um, So that was certainly problematic. But you also give Georgia a lot of credit because uh, that was a defense, especially, that was literally running out of gas. I mean, we saw guys – With cramps, things like that. Um, But they managed to get enough done. Keeley Ringo had a pretty average night at the cornerback position. I thought his pass breakup on the slant there um, on Ohio State's last possession where they were trying to just get another seven, eight, maybe nine yards for Ruggles and weren't able to do it was bigger than people probably uh, haven't talked about enough. So and look, Georgia had some opportunities, too, that they missed out on. Podolesny is one of the best kickers in all of college football. Mm-hmm. He had a couple of misses in the game. So that kind of works both ways. But I thought as much as anything, when it was a 35-24 game, really late third, early fourth, and Ohio State is in position to get in the end zone and make it a 42-24 game, a three-score game in the fourth quarter, That was huge. Ohio State has to settle for the field goal. It's still a 14-point game instead of a 17-point game. Um, And then from that point forward, Georgia was able to expose an Ohio State secondary that, as we saw against Michigan, if if you keep taking, if you keep getting enough chances against the back end of that Ohio State defense, eventually you're going to hit for some big plays, and that's what Stetson Bennett did.
1: Well, and, and a couple of things that really stand out. Speaking of secondaries, the um, Georgia's has been carved up a little bit too. Oh, yeah. uh That they've given up 850 passing yards, 71 points in the last two games, and don't think that TCU can add to that. Uh, but I, I believe the, uh, try the stat that really blew me away for Georgia. And if you can do this, you're going to probably end up in the playoffs every year. Georgia has allowed nine, sa- nine sacks on the year. Uh, the only Power 5 program since 09 to play 14 games with single-digit sacks. And if they allow zero sacks versus TCU, first team ever to allow single-digit sacks in 15 games – Trav, that's not easy to do, is it? That that's a that that's a I, I I would say that would be a that would be a raise for that offensive coaching staff, wouldn't you?
0: Yeah, you would think Stacy Searles would be in line for that, but you also have to look at the fact you got a pretty mobile quarterback and Stetson, yep. and then you're also run centric in a lot of ways. Um, the ability to run the football, man, it makes so it much of the rest of the offense easier when you can start up front and sort of own things from that perspective, because uh, it helps your pass protection. And and they are, um, they are tight end oriented as we know, but they like to get those guys out in the routes. Typically yep. when you see teams that are tight end oriented, you're thinking more six, seven man protection and you'll see some of that from Georgia, but they want to get Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington out into the route. So I thought in this game, it showed up big though, that, as Georgia continued to get some of these wide receivers back, uh and and, and more of, of uh lad McConkey still playing through some things, understand that, but AD Mitchell comes up big, Arian Smith comes up big, and boy, both the quarterbacks in this game average better than ten yards per attempt. So I think that spoke to kind of the lackluster secondaries involved. And, mm-hmm. you know, I hear you on TCU and the potential for Max Duggan and and that offense to cause some problems as well. I think what Georgia may be able to do more against um, TCU or will choose to do more is play some zone and yeah. just figure yeah. we're better up front. We're way better up front than we were even against Ohio State, and we'll, we'll be able to get there with three or four. Against Max Duggan, although his legs can be problematic. I mean, the mm-hmm. two quarterbacks in this game Monday night, I, I think, are pretty similar in how they get it done. When yeah. you look at Stetson Bennett, and you look at Max Duggan. Uh,
1: and, and listen, this Quentin Johnston, wide receiver time. TCU is big time. Uh, mm-hmm. Six catches for 163 against Michigan. TCU runs as 335, which is, and they had a lot of success against. Michigan's own line that that won the Joel Moore award mm-hmm. uh, to go along with this too. So, uh, Keely Wingo, uh, it, Ringo is going against Quentin Johnson. That that's going to be one of the more interesting matchups, um, of the entire time. And, um, they, and targeting against Ringo, uh, Ohio state, six of 13, 69 yards uh, against the other secondary for Georgia 17 of 18 for 279 so boy uh,
0: no it's not a good group I mean, it's it, the it's last couple last couple of years it's been not so good and look you don't knock Georgia for this but uh, the dogs certainly benefited from John Mechie going out Jamison yes. Williams going out Marvin Harrison goes out Buckeyes were already down they're the, their other top receiver going into the game. So I, I, all that to say is it takes more than just being good to do what George has done the last couple of seasons. Yeah, so whether we're talking about some previous Alabama teams, it certainly benefited from good fortune or misfortune from an opponent's perspective. Hey, it's, it's, it's part of the deal. It's yep. just part of the sure deal. It and it's part of a 15 game season. You know, I, it, Teams run out of players, or they run out of the the players they desperately need at particular positions. Uh, And I think that happened a little bit to Ohio State on Saturday night, and I think it definitely happened to Alabama uh, a year ago. So, you know, when I look at Georgia right now going into this game, it has the feel to me – of the semifinal against Ohio State being similar to what the SEC championship game back in 2012 was for Georgia and Alabama. Alabama survived Georgia in the old Georgia Dome by Mm -hmm. a field goal, I believe it was, and then went on to smash Notre Dame down in South Florida uh, in the BCS national championship game. I know that Georgia opened, I think, as a 13-and-a-half point favorite over TCU, TCU, just a heck of a story. Unbelievable. But I also, to draw another comparison to an Alabama situation, I feel like I've already seen this game that we're going to see Monday night. Yeah, And I'm thinking I saw it last Saturday in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. SEC elite team in Alabama against a really solid Big 12 team in Kansas State. Alabama ends up winning that game by four touchdowns. And my concern for TCU, even from the perspective of the 335 defense, which K-State employs TCU runs that, Georgia's gonna look to run them out of that three man front. We know that. I just kind of feel like I've already seen this scenario and or this game here in the last decade or so.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and and the other thing that Georgia and Kirby probably doesn't get enough credit for, Travis, they're not afraid to play guys, and now obviously you gotta do it sometimes with necessity, but because of injuries and because some of them have earned playing time on on the final drives of the game, they had Barra Alexander who Kirby loves at defensive tackle and linebackers Jalen Walker and Marvin Jones Jr. uh, in the game. I mean, those guys played 15 to 20 snaps. So um, uh, situations like that only help Georgia coming up next Monday night And even more than that, Trev, it helps them next year.
0: It really does. And look, Georgia's got some health issues going into this game. You can talk about Darnell Washington, right? Yeah. Right out the gate with that ankle sprain. And apparently he's going to be a game-time decision. And uh, But again, it speaks to the depth of Georgia's team that even after he went out, um, they were able to become more wide receiver-centric in Mm -hmm. some ways and make Ohio State pay over the top. So – Uh, Georgia, a team uh, that was pushed to the limit, no doubt about it, in the semifinal win, I think that extra couple of days of rest from their perspective will be well-received. And then Mm -hmm. um, I think the dogs are very much in line for a second straight national championship out there in L.A., which, by the way, the people out in L.A., they care as much about (laughs) this game and this matchup as they do probably – a Clippers home game against <laughs> the. Uh, let's see who would who would I throw out there? A Clippers home game against the Hornets. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's about as much as L.A. people care about this type of matchup at SoFi. Should be a heck of an experience, so for Georgia's fan base and TCU's uh, as they make their way out to Southern California. You know that wasn't the only football we had uh, to to end the bowl season for the sec because a little bit of a weird deal waking up Monday morning after new year's (laughs) and we're basically having new year's day football on the second, but that's what we had with the NFL owning Sunday uh, as we know, but uh, uh, Monday football in the sec Mississippi state, we touched on this earlier in the podcast, boy, just an emotional ending for the Bulldogs at, the end of a very emotional span of three or four weeks following the passing of Mike Leach, but dogs able to get it done in a game that they really trailed for the most part.
1: Yeah, they sure did. Travis, how about Marcus Banks, former Alabama DB with that scoop and score on the final play? Yeah, the Illinois people that had the uh,
0: three, three and a half points, they didn't (laughs) like that. No, no. You talk about a bad worst of beats. I don't know how that happens to you. If you had money on Illinois getting the three, three and a half, whatever. Right. And then that happens. And then you say, well, all right, I'm going to bet on the, uh, (laughs) I'm going to bet on the Monday night football coming up or whatever games or basketball. I don't, I don't know how you continue to gamble sports (laughs) really after something like that happens. But Mississippi state gets it done. You know, this is a team that's had kicking woes really the last couple of seasons. And, um, you know, they get it done. I didn't like Will Rogers. I mean, they get it down there. What inside the five down to around the yes. two or the one, yeah. Yeah. and then from the shotgun, Will Rogers takes like a nine-yard loss back to the ten for a team that doesn't kick field goals all that well the last yeah. couple of yeah. seasons. I, and I know, look, it's still people say, oh, it's still only a twenty-seven yarder. Look, if you're Mississippi State, I'm a Mississippi State fan. The last couple of seasons, I want that thing on the two. Dead yes. in front of the goalpost. I want to be a parked, I want to be parked like a Brinks truck outside <laughs> of Best Buy during Christmas season. All right, that's that's how I want to be. And um, they still got it done, which was was great. But again, uh, as that culminated between Will Rogers and others, you could really see the emotion surface.
1: Uh, well, and, and let's also say too, Mississippi State's promoting linebacker linebacker's coach Matt Brock. To D coordinator now that Zach Hornett uh, is going to be the head coach, which is going to be fascinating uh, to see where that goes. I understand that uh, he is clearing out a decent amount of that stab, so that's going Steve to be
0: Spurrier Jr. is yeah. going, from what I understand, son of Stephen or Spurrier. Yes. And are there rumors about Kendall Bryles maybe coming over from Arkansas? I saw where Chad Bumpus the former uh, Mississippi State wide receiver previously or currently
1: the wide receiver coach at Utah may be coming home
0: on that offensive staff.
1: Yeah, there there's a lot of movement on there uh, and that will happen over the next uh, few days. I mean, still, it, it was a fine season at nine and four uh, uh, certainly better than their, cousins in Oxford with Ole Miss did this season in in, in the way that they ended it, but still a lot of of healing to do for Mississippi State uh, and certainly appreciate uh, the tributes they gave to uh, Mike Leach and frankly the way the lead get all the way around.
0: Yeah, I'm a uh, big fan of Woody Marks and I think he showed you in that bowl win Again, just how tough this dude really is, because I don't think he's been a hundred percent for a while now. And uh, uh, he goes for fifty yards rushing uh, on ten carries. And look, you know they didn't have Dylan Johnson in this game. Dylan Johnson entered the transfer portal. Looks like he's moving out to the Pac-12 in Washington. Um, but they got some clutch performances. The uh Georgia transfer on the outside, Justin Robinson uh with a nice game with some attrition that they've had at wide receiver via the transfer portal. Uh, Jaden Wally, five catches forty three yards. So Tulu Griffin, five catches, fifty three yards. So it wasn't a prolific day. Uh Will Rogers throws for two sixty one with two picks, um, but they're able to get it done there in the fourth quarter and uh, score 16 points there in the fourth quarter. When you factor in that Marcus Banks fumble return as well.
1: So, Travis, so let's talk. It, go yeah, ahead. It, it, well, uh, the only thing I was going to add was uh, bulldog defense sacking Tommy DeVito seven times, mm-hmm. Illinois, not, not, Not 1.8 yards per carry, Trav. 0.8 yards per carry. Going to be
0: interesting with Will Rogers, depending on how this offense proceeds. Mm -hmm. Um, He's not a guy that does it with his legs much. And if you get a guy like Kendall Bryles in there who isn't afraid to incorporate the quarterback run into the offense, uh, I don't think it's, you know, there's certainly with, with the Bryles. Family, there's certainly air raid uh, yes. DNA there for sure So uh, there are there are ways in which it, it could work out just fine if that is in fact the, the future for Mississippi State offensively but uh, uh, good for state man after everything that fan base, the leech family um, you know it doesn't lessen the hurt or the shock entirely uh no doubt about that where the passing of Mike Leach is concerned but uh much needed much needed not only just not only winning the game but just to play the game yeah uh, for Mississippi State down in Tampa hey what about LSU man Damn. just absolutely we talked about this the last time we were on kind of anticipated LSU taking it to Purdue but 35 to nothing at halftime, and a 63-7 to seven win <laughs> over the Boilermakers. I understand Aiden O'Connell didn't play for Purdue in the game, but, I mean, was he going to play middle linebacker too? Because <laughs> uh, LSU just absolutely devastated the Boilers down in Orlando.
1: Boy, and, and uh, I mean, the numbers are unbelievable. Malik Neighbors, nine catches for 163 yards, three quarterbacks. For for LSU and they all, uh, frankly, played well. I thought Garrett Nussmeyer Trav was fairly impressive in the game uh, with what he was able to do. That leaves him in good stead. Uh, Certainly, uh, LSU had fewer than forty scholarship players. (laughs) Uh, uh, Lord. Uh, in that was in last year's game, we remember that one, but boy, this is a uh, different team, uh, all the way around. Uh, and look, I've the, the thing with LSU now, you think about Malik Nabors and Aaron Anderson coming in at wide receiver. I know Demario Nolan, uh, Tolan, the linebacker, has been to the transfer portal, but I mean, LSU from the beginning. Uh, just did everything they thought they would, and, and uh, uh, Travis, what Brian Kelly was able to do in his first year in making adjustments and getting guys to buy into the culture, I thought was very significant for him in his first year. Yeah, I think so too. When We talked about it. This was an
0: important game for LSU because even with what that team had accomplished in beating Alabama in overtime back in November, if they don't win this game, they finish with five losses. They don't get to the 10-win mark, and there's a big difference uh, in in those numbers and sort of the taste that's in the mouth of both you, your team, uh, and your fan base. So an important win, an easy win, Uh, just the way you like it if you're an SEC team down there in Orlando you're right about Nussmeyer. I think there are some places certainly around the SEC even right now if you take into account uh, you know the opportunities that could be for him out there as a transfer if he went that route but we'll see how that plays out Um, you know I think about a place like South Carolina even uh, you know with with what it may be experiencing at the quarterback position we'll see but uh, very impressive performance, even without Keyshawn Booty uh, in this game. It just speaks to the depth, again, that that LSU has on the outside and, and what it's going to welcome back uh, for 2023. And that's why I think you're going to continue to hear that drumbeat narrative in relation to 2019 when Joe Burrow came back and, you know, all those guys that came back to be a part of that 2019 team. The thing you worry about with LSU is there's expectations now, right? Yes. And yes. how many times have we seen this before? I think Brian Kelly sort of changes that from, from the perspective of uh, being able to, to oversee and manage that type of situation. Uh, but it's still something that you you take into account.
1: Well, and Travis, uh, with that said, how big is that opener next year? LSU and Florida State and Orlando, yeah. Uh, with the with the season that Florida State uh, had, that's, uh, that's a top and, ten matchup. No question. I think, going into the season, I think Florida
0: State after the win over Oklahoma and the Cheez It Bowl, top ten preseason in all likelihood. Jordan Travis coming back, a lot of those guys coming back. Uh, same thing for LSU, right?
1: Yeah. No question. So, so it's going to be a uh, in. in uh, w- w- will be a lot said early on. We're way, we're we're a long way away from media day. But when the when the magazines come out, uh, could there be a few selections for uh, LSU to win that West after this first year?
0: I I would not be surprised at all. I think the the biggest roadblock to that is people are going to see LSU making the trip to Bryant Denny. Yes. Um, and, and that's, that's going to show up maybe in some of those selections, but no, they'll, they'll definitely get some votes. LSU will. Uh, and as far as the overall champion, I mean, because you think about the East next year, uh, Georgia, and uh, it, it is, is always going to be the favorite in the East for the time being anyway, even with some changes coming uh, offensively for that team. But, um, sure. I think LSU. When you talk about the top three teams in the preseason for the for the 2023 season in the Southeastern Conference, um, LSU is going to be right there. I would oh, I would yeah. be surprised if it was. And what about some of the coaching movement we're seeing now too? <laughs> Bobby Petrino, oh. Bobby and Jimbo, how about that? Yes, yeah. <laughs> out at Texas A and M, Bobby Petrino. Uh, he was in Vegas long enough to pull a slot machine about three yes, times, maybe. And then he said, "Barry Odom, uh, I kind of like what you got going here, but Jimbo's calling, and I'm going back to the SEC. You just you can't you can't just count out Bobby Petrino. I guess you know there's <laughs> always going to be a chance of a Bobby Petrino sighting in the Southeastern Conference.
1: Now, now, what I would really pay to hear." Would and to be a fly on the wall, and you know, at some point, Jimmo and Bobby are going to be sitting down somewhere and having a beer and telling stories. I Mm -hmm. would, I I would love to hear that, Trav. Uh, that you know, that's why I'd love to go to the Manning passing camp just to hear some of those, what 10 o'clock p.m. Stories that the, that that the boys are talking about during that time. Uh, look, is this thing? Now I know people are looking at it and saying, "Well, there's no way this is going to work." But and I an know, quote unquote, Jimbo will be heavily involved in the offense. But but, Trav, if they stay in their lanes and they're able to work together, uh, this thing has some very interesting possibilities. Oh, it
0: does. I mean. Look, Bobby Petrino knows offensive football, okay? And he does. and he knows he knows uh quarterback uh development too. So, just from a football perspective, Bobby Petrino can do some good things yeah. with that offense and with specifically yes. Connor Weegman. And, you know, if Jumbo's going to have another season or whatever's left of this thing mm-hmm. to turn it around, uh He's going with a a, From a football perspective Just a football perspective A pretty proven commodity In Bobby Petrino Boy, no shortage of storylines As usual In the Southeastern Conference But first, we're going to have a national championship game As we discussed In Southern California on Monday night I think we're both in agreement We like the dogs to make it back-to-back National championships Unless you you got a shocker for us, maybe, Brent?
1: Well, no, I mean, I, it, look, it, it would be. I do think that with what TCU has got uh, with the with the Johnston kid at wide receiver uh, and Duggan and not being afraid to run, I mean, I can see them hanging into this thing for a while. And, and, and again, Travis, I I just don't think Kirby in a week's time can solve the issues with their secondary. So. Yeah. Uh, I, I still think Georgia's consistency and their depth wins the day, but <laughs> would it would it be that much of a shock, Travis, if if TCU at, at least maybe deep in the third quarter is still not in this thing?
0: TCU's going to need some crazy stuff, man.
1: Yeah. There, some of the
0: stuff, if not all of the stuff, that happened against Michigan, uh, with an emphasis on. Uh, the defensive side of the ball mm-hmm. uh, with the takeaways and scoring on defense, things like that. All those things are going to have to happen Monday night. The problem for TCU as I see it is that I don't see Georgia in a mismatch. Really a true mismatch. Yes. I think Quentin Johnston going against that secondary, he can put up some numbers, but you got to have more than one guy, you yeah. know, Max Duggan, I think is a, a gamer of all gamers. Is he a dynamic Game-changing playmaker at the quarterback position. I don't really see that. So I don't think TCU can stress Georgia uh, in some matchups the way Ohio State could. So that's where I run into the problem with this game staying ultra-competitive for all four quarters. You know, look, we've said that about TCU at some other points in the season, too. So um, (laughs) you, you don't want to take for granted some of the intangibles Uh, and Sonny Dykes, hell of a coach, man. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about that, but, uh, I feel pretty confident about Georgia covering that 13 and a half on Monday night. Well, Brent, that'll just about do it for the latest edition of second helping. We'll be back to review the national championship game out in Los Angeles coming up next week. Um, and they'll still be coaching carousel news, transfer portal news, late signing period news. And we're getting into the SEC basketball schedule yes. as well. Some really competitive games, some big games already early in the season. We saw Missouri and Arkansas on uh, Wednesday night, Alabama, Kentucky coming up in Tuscaloosa mm-hmm. on Saturday. So hoop starting to slide right in there, too.
1: Uh no doubt. It's gonna be a great year that and, and uh Travis I'm as we're going out here, big credit to that two lane coaching staff going from two to two and ten last year to twelve and two well single biggest turnaround uh that, that we've seen in quite some time. Sort of does not make Lincoln Riley and that USC defense look very good, does it, pal? But uh credit credit where it's due, the job that they have done. Uh really like that quarterback and Tulane and Pratt. Um uh, mm-hmm. hope for their sake that he stays there, but he'll be a he'll be a hot commodity, but one of one of the more entertaining non SEC games uh, overall that cotton Bowl.
0: Yeah, I was going to see if the SEC could bring Tulane back in, you know, because <laughs> Tulane, a three-time Southeastern Conference champion back That's in what? the day, back in the 20s, oh, yes. 30s, and 40s, maybe the SEC can count that win you know, <laughs> to its bowl ledger. But Willie Fritz, you're right, what a turnaround for the Green Wave. This is a guy who a year ago you wondered if he might be Moving on, mm-hmm. and even this off season, because Georgia Tech apparently was interested in Willie Fritz, but uh, absolutely, heck of a story. And, yeah, that SC defense, not much. But you're SC, and you can't get the ball off your own goal line really? late in the fourth quarter. That was brutal, along with the fumbled kickoff return there at your own one. Uh, all the ingredients were in play for what happened out at Jerry World. Well, Brent, again, a lot of fun. Look forward to doing it again real soon. Me too, bud. Take care. Have a great week. For Brent Beard, Travis Schreier, thanking you for joining us right here on Second Helping. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, we hope you'll consider doing so. Anywhere you consume pods, you're going to find Second Helping. If you leave us a rating and a review, that would be appreciated as well. For Brent, Travis, until next time, so long, everybody.